Thank you very much. It's a great privilege to be here. I don't deserve it, but there we go. And uh, yes, I am from Russia, and I am a Russian. And a lot of times people go like, you have an accent, but it's not the Russian accent. I, of course, I could speak like this if you wanted me to. <laughs> but that would find too much like uh, the bad guys from one of the seasons of 24, right? <clears throat> and that would be like way too scary. So let's skip through that and just speak normally, OK? So the verse I would like to look at today uh, is from Galatians 6, 7, that says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. It has been four years since uh, we had an opportunity to be here with all of you, and some of you actually remembered my sermon from four years ago. That's pretty amazing. Uh, much has changed since then in the political situation in our churches and I'm sure a lot of people do not even remember us. However, here we are. And last time I spoke on Psalm 73, I talked about the four ways to look at life. We talked about the psalmist who came to God with a lot of questions, being really upset about the things that he saw in life, and God gave him amazing answers to his questions. So um, even during this trip, people came up to me and asked questions about, so now what's going on with Russia, with all these political things? What do you see as an outsider is happening in America? And I thought, you know what? It would be very appropriate to speak about the verse that I just mentioned, Galatians 6, 7. Of course, I'll be mentioning other verses as well, but this is going to be the central one in our talk because this is sort of like part two of the message that some of you heard four years ago. Now, that from, since that time, Russia became an aggressor. Russia is going back to nationalism, and some people say it's not as much of a red color now like it used to be under communism, but pretty much brownish like the Nazi color. And yes, it's just like that. Uh, bad things are happening there. The world is looking at Russia saying, what on earth are these people thinking? Well, at the same time, we see that America has fallen further away from its foundations and from the things that were dear to the heart of every American. And yes, these things are happening, and it's pretty sad. People keep asking lots of questions and are very upset about what's going on in the world. And there is a phrase, which I mentioned last time, I think, but, you know, I keep thinking about it and getting more and more overwhelmed. I remember when I was young, I thought that the phrase I would never say is the phrase, in my days, things were different, you know, because I thought people that were half in their grave, you know, one foot in their grave would say things like that. And here I am, 40 years, uh, 48 years old, and I'm saying this phrase, I'm being overwhelmed to see that in my days, things were truly different. Uh, they, they were different, but I'm saying this. The question remains, why are we living like this? Why things in the world are getting worse all the time? There was one person who you know very well. His name is Gilbert Chesterton. And once he wrote the shortest essay on the topic, what is wrong with the world? The essay went like this. What is wrong with the world? I am. And that, that's very interesting. I think when we ask these questions, we really should look in our hearts. We should really look at what is happening in there. We really should see what am I doing to make things, make things better or worse. So why do we live the way we do? Well, the first, there will be several points, and the first one is this. Because of ignorance regarding the foundational principles of life. Because of ignorance of the foundational principles of life. And we refer to Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he 
sows. The law of sowing and reaping is what I want to talk to you about today. It's, the, it's first and foremost a spiritual law given to us by God. In a nutshell, this is what it sounds like. God gives all of us, God gives each one of us, you and me, the freedom to sow what we desire. Every man can sow what he desires, but man always reaps what he sows. The universal law works regardless of what we think about it or regardless of what part of the world we live in, in, whether it's Russia or America, it just works. A man reaps what he sows. God, by his powerful word, did not only create the beautiful nature that surrounds us, but also laws according which everything moves and lives. Spiritual laws work in spite of our attitude to them. The man reaps what he sows. And there are several parts, several features of this law I want to mention. First of all, there is a principle of regularity or objectivity. It is true that any sower, and we just visited a farm yesterday and talked to some of those amazing sowers, which, you know, impresses so much. Every sower knows that if he sows corn in his field, he will reap corn. It's very simple, as simple as that. And it's not a new thing because that thing is revealed to us in the first chapter of Genesis when the Lord was telling, was saying that the, the, the entire world would be producing things according to their own kind. The, uh, let the plants be bearing seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit with the seed in it according to their kind. It's nothing new, nothing to be surprised about. Every person knows about it. Every little child understands this. So no one would ever try to plant a field of corn and expect to reap peaches. It's just impossible. And the thing is that it works not only materially, physically, but also spiritually. If you sow evil, you will reap evil. If you sow good, you will reap good. That's how it works. You look at Russia and you'll ask all these questions. Why is Russia the way it is today? It's very simple. Look at the things Russia was sowing way back in its history. Well, 20 years ago, a hundred years ago or more. You know, my country sowed godlessness. My country rejected God for years. My country took the Bible out of the equation. My country did a lot of horrible things. And we look at things today and wonder, so why are we living like this? Why there is so much immorality? Why there is no understanding of what is good and bad? Why are Russians so dense? Well, it's because what was sown was evil. That's very easy. And we look at Russia today and we see that Russia is very religious, but there is very few talk, very little talk about being born again, and these things are actually being discouraged, you know, and, and why, why is that? If you look at the history of Russia, go way back to 988, you will see a very interesting thing. That country never embraced Christianity. It's considered to be a Christian country, but it never embraced Christianity. It was Christianized by sword, because one of the princes decided that Russia had to be united under, under a banner of religion, and so he forced everybody to become a Christian, and whoever didn't want to, I mean, they were just forcefully dragged into the river, to be dipped, and that was considered to be baptism. That's how Russian Christianity began. So are we surprised that things are happening there the way they do? Really amazing, isn't it? And like I said, the Bible was out of the equation. The Bible was read only by the priests, and then when I was little, I remember living in the border town of Viberg, about 70 miles um, northwest of St. Petersburg, and uh, I remember we were taken to the field trips to the border, and we were shown pictures 
of Bibles that had been confiscated from foreign tourists who tried to enter the country and bring the Bibles in. And those Bibles were being burned, like, you know, Fahrenheit 451, uh, Ray Brebber's book. And, uh, well, why are we wondering about what's happening here today? Well, we think about Russia, but let's think about America, you know. America discouraged people from believing the Bible. When I first came to America in 1992, I was really surprised, you know, that Bible, reading the Bible was discouraged in schools and prayer was discouraged in schools. And I remember way back then they still, you know, spoke about one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I don't hear these things said in these days. It's interesting. Why did that happen? Well, somebody said that the Bible, the acronym for the Bible can be deciphered like this, basic instructions before leaving earth. Well, ignoring these basic instructions, we leave ourselves to just trying to grope in the dark, searching for the truth which we'll never find. Well, we reap what we sow. Not only do we reap what we sow, we also reap where we sow. That's another feature of that law. It's the principle of place. If one sows on a field, he will get the fruit from that same field. The same is true about the spiritual side of our life, not only about physical things. You sow in your family you will reap that whatever you sow in your family. You sow in your friendship, you will reap in your friendship. You sow in your church, the harvest is going to happen there. You serve in your thought life, that is where the harvest is going to happen. You sow in your country, you will reap whatever you sow today in your country. Now, the question is this. Let's get personal, and that's the best way to go. Let's really get personal, because the problem is with me, right? With each one of us. Now, what are you sowing, literally, you personally? What are you sowing in your children's lives? What are you teaching them? Are you teaching them? Are you investing spiritual truths in their lives today? What kind of example are you setting for your children? How are you preparing them to be strong and walk with Christ throughout their lives? What are you sowing in your own spiritual life today? Are you really reading the Bible? Do you make it a priority? Are you praying? Are you cultivating your relationship with God? Or are you neglecting your spiritual life? Is it something that you do on Sunday? What kind of harvest are you expecting? You reap what you sow. Are you sowing seeds today to produce faith, joy, and peace? Or are you totally neglecting that? What do you sow in your relationship with your spouse? Are you sowing criticism or neglect? Or, or what are you filling your mind with today? How are you spending your money? That affects the future. What kind of seeds are you planting in all of these areas? What kind of fruit are you expecting? You know, it's interesting talking about children. You know, we uh, did a radical thing for Russia. We took our children out of the propaganda system of education that's completely run by the government and very anti-Christian. We took them out of that system several years ago and started to homeschool them. Why? Not because we think all of you have to do this, not at all. But you know what? We really realized that we were not planting the seeds of faith in our children because the time we had with them was only 30 minutes a day. What can you do in that time? But we understand that we are raising our children for God's kingdom. Not just to have a nice and happy life while they drag their feet along this, you know, journey on the earth, but we're raising them for the kingdom. If we are, if we expect that harvest to happen, what do we supposed to do today? Well, we're investing spiritual truths in the lives of our children, and we've already seen the harvest. We've already seen them grow and flourish, and their lives radically changed since the time when we took them out of that godless and horrifying propaganda machine. You know, it's interesting. America is a great nation. 
I got to tell you this, it's my favorite place on the face of this earth. And I'm so thankful to be here. Every time I'm here, it's my 12th time. And you know what? There's no place, there's no place like home. There's no place on this earth where I get so spiritually nourished, where I get so much, so many spiritual blessings. And you know why? Because Americans are still reaping the fruit of what lots of people sowed way back in history. Not only do you guys enjoy the benefits of that, but we outsiders come here and enjoy that. You know, it didn't just happen overnight. Well, of course, there are bad seeds that were planted as well, but so much good was planted in American history way back then that today I am the recipient of all these blessings, even as an outsider. Isn't that amazing? That's absolutely astounding to me. Well, actually, this brings us to another feature of that amazing principle, of that amazing law, the principle of time. It is logical that time should pass between sowing and reaping. Like James says in his epistle, he says, be patient. The farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains, James 5, 7. So basically, a farmer spends time working to get good crops. Or a person can be lazy, not caring that bad seeds are growing, and as time goes by, he will reap that bad harvest. There is time. Sometimes people go like, well, you know what? Nothing bad is ever going to happen. Well, guess what? It will. Or nothing good is going to happen. I just keep working and working and working. I don't see the result. Well, just wait. But it's interesting. I remember the first time I was in America 23 years ago, I, I, I heard a sermon by John MacArthur. And he was giving a warning to Americans. And he was describing things that were very mind-boggling and, and very disturbing. And I tell you, the first time I came to America, I was so infatuated by this country. I'm still in love with it. I'm not infatuated anymore because I see the reality of life here and understand this is not the promised land. This is not heaven on earth. It's a real country. It's a real place, which I love. But I remember John MacArthur was saying all these things, and I was listening to him thinking, oh, give me a break. I mean, this is the best place on earth. I mean, nothing bad can ever happen to it. Well, in, I'm not going to get into details, but truth is, the things he was saying then, not because it was such an amazing prophet can foresee the future, but because it was logical. He saw the seeds that were being planted then, and I can see the fruit that are being reaped today. It works. It works. It's mind-boggling. At times, it is pretty scary. You will always reap later what you sow today. The other thing that's interesting, there is a principle of multiplication and growth. A farmer expects more than he sows, right? I mean, it would be stupid just plant one seed and expect one seed to come out of that. The harvest is always greater than the seed that is planted. I mean, that's a simple principle of agriculture. Well, this fact should be both serious and sobering to us because this should make us think, what are we sowing today? Because you know what? We plant a little thing but we're going to reap a great harvest of good or bad. And it might sound a little uh, trivial, but I'll still quote that famous quote, whoever said that, I don't know, but I really like that. You sow a thought and you reap a deed. You sow a deed and you reap a habit. You sow a habit and you reap a character. You sow a character and you reap a destiny. That will be true about every person in this room, you and I. That would be true about a nation, yours and mine. That would be true. 
It's also true that we will reap in direct proportion to what we're sowing. I really like what 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, Remember, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Well, basically, I like that because if we want a good harvest, if we want a good harvest, we need to sow a lot. Now, the question is, the problem in, in, in this life is me. What is your involvement in ministry of this church? How is your personal commitment to God? How much time do you invest in building relationship with Him? It, it's really amazing because a lot of times we just we don't think about how much we plant, how much we sow. You know, it's, it seems like when, when you come to churches, there are a lot of people that do church hopping or church shopping. You know, instead of being in a church and thinking, I'm here to plant. I'm here to lay my life for the service of Christ. They would come to church, and uh, instead of sowing much, they would come and think, how can I be served? And that's why nothing good is ever happening in some churches, because people will just come and say, I really like how Pastor Brian preaches. I'll go to this church to hear him preach. I really like how Pastor such and such across the street sings. I'll go there and listen to his music. I really like how that children's program is working in that church, so I'm going to take my children there and have them enjoy the children's program. And so we have like a bunch of different families where it go to, and it would be really strange because think about it. I, I'm a friend of many families here in America, but I have a family on my own that I'm responsible for. What if I would just, just say, you know, the Rummery's feed so well, I'll go and eat in their house. You know, and, uh, you know, that family is a lot of fun. I'll go and have fun with them. And that family has a great lake house, so I'll go on vacation to their house. And, and it's like, and my family will be somewhere else. But, you know, what? the thing about family is such that, you know, you stay with the family through thick and thin, and uh, the church is a family. And so if we really want to reap good results, we need to sow, and sow a lot, and be faithful and committed. We don't dump our family because somebody gets sick. We don't dump our family because our child has a terminal disease. You know what I mean? We stick to it. We start pouring into that family even more. And I would say a lot of times we go like, so why do our churches not do more? Well, why do you not do more? Why do you not get more committed and take care of things and, and lay your life for the service to Jesus? That's very important. Okay, so why do we live the way we do? The second big thing is because of deliberately ignoring the truth. The first thing was we are ignorant of the truth. We are ignorant of the law. Now we're not because I just shared with you that. And you know what? Now you're in a very bad situation because if you didn't know it before, you were not responsible. Now you are responsible. Good luck. <laughs> well, the second thing is uh, you have a choice of taking it to heart or ignoring it. Well, the second reason why people live the way they live, why we live the way we do, because we choose to ignore the truth. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reap what, reaps what he sows. So do not be deceived. Do not be purposefully stupid. Do not try to get away from the consequences of what you're sowing today. You know, basically, uh, we, we like to blame somebody for whatever happens in my life. Like, think about it. If a man jumps off a 20-story building, what happens? Splat, he's gone. Why? Was it because God was mad at him that he died? No. Well, these are the laws of life, okay? He ignored him, and he reaped the consequences of that. 
Life is filled with problems and difficulties. Everybody experiences them, but too often Christians bring on many of their own problems by violating the Word of God. And it's, it's a human urge to get the benefits of being a Christian and get away from the consequences of our choices. You know, we, we could not mock God. He's not mocked. It doesn't mean, okay, that doesn't mean that a man cannot lift up his nose at God. Yes, he can, of course. It doesn't mean that a man cannot sneer at God or make fun of God, laugh at God. Man can do that. But what it does mean is that in spite of all this, in spite of all this, the rule of God always stands. Man can think what he chooses to think. Man can be as wicked as he wants, but all of that will not change God's law. God's rule. So, bottom line is this. If you don't like the harvest, it's time to ask, where did I sow the thistles? The same question we need to ask ourselves as nations, as Russia, as America. An interesting thing, that the principle of transformation. A mere seed is being planted, but the plant that grows out of it looks very different, completely different, actually. Uh, the, the apple tree doesn't look like the seed at all. You just can't recognize that. And we might not recognize the end result and wonder, why are these things happening to us? I don't seem to have anything to do with what I'm reaping or what my nation is reaping today. I'll never forget, there was really a funny comic strip that I saw once. It was by a Danish artist. But anyway, uh, there was a boss, and a boss yells at his office worker, and he was in a bad mood. He yells at an office worker. The office worker calls up his daughter, and during the conversation, he gets really upset and yells at his daughter. Well, the daughter is upset now, so what the daughter does, she goes to a date, and, you know, she gets upset with her fiancé, and she grabs a bouquet of flowers to give her and slaps him on the face as hard as she can. Now, he gets upset, and he walks down the street. All of a sudden, he sees a stray dog, and he kicks the dog as hard as he can, the dog is upset, runs around the, uh, the, the, the town, and all of a sudden this big boss is coming out of his office, and guess what the dog does? It bites him on the butt. <laughs> and the guy gets bitten by the dog, standing there wondering, why is the world so cruel? He started it. You know, we try to ignore the fact that God cannot be mocked, and somehow, one way or the other, even if you do not recognize the end result, you know, you started it in some way, well, the third thing, why do people live, why do we live the way we do? Because of sowing in the flesh. That is very important. Because we are sowing, a lot of times we're sowing in the flesh. What I mean is this. Okay, I, I got to read, uh, read for you the other verses. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. What man sows, he will reap. Sowing to his flesh will reap corruption. Sowing to the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good for all the proper time. We'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now, what is flesh here? A lot of times people think flesh is my body. I should not take care of my body. Forget about it. It's wrong because God made our bodies and he told us to care for them. They are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's not body. Some people say it's about our old nature. Well, surprise, it's not this in this context. Why? Because in Romans chapter 6, verse 6, it says clearly, we know, not guess, not hope, we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Our old self is dead. It's not there anymore. So what is the flesh in this context? Listen, that's very important. It's self-life. It is relying upon yourself rather than upon God's grace and provision. It's 
claiming the right to be yourself. It's another will. It's self-will, a will besides God's. I have a better answer. Why are we living like this? I'll tell you. I'll figure out the answer. And this is, this is what God says. This is what I say. I will do this. You know, I think it's very similar to what the devil did in Isaiah 14 when he said, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned. I will ascend above the tops of the cloud. I will make myself like the most high. Me, me, me. I, me, mine. Remember that? Rings a bell? Well, we do not necessarily say the things that the devil did, but we surely think this way a lot of times by saying, I know what God says, but I do not want to do it. Or, I know God wants me to do it, but I'm simply not ready for it right now. Or, couldn't you find someone else instead? It's exactly that. My will that makes me lean towards self. I prefer to do what's convenient for me rather than what God desires. And the world seems to know all the right answers and tells us that's what you need to do. When you can't sleep, count your sheep. I would say talk to the shepherd. It's very important. That attitude is called humanism. Humanism, you know, it's when people decide, to, it's a man's desire to retain self-respect of a sinner, to claim all of God's blessings without laying their lives for him. But I love the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi who said, in giving we receive, in pardoning we're pardoned, and in dying we're born again to eternal life. And that is incredible. Self-denial is not popular. It's not a popular thing even among those who attend church and claim to be the followers of Christ. The essence of humanism is self-expression, self-respect. It's living autonomously from God, but expecting His blessings to be showered on us. Humanity is good. It's love for people. Humanism is rejection, rejection of God's sacrifice, rejection of His way. It's interesting because Paul talks about these things in Philippians 3. He says that, that, that the people, these people are the enemies of the cross. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. Their mind is unearthly things. Think about it. Their God is their stomach. They're pleasing themselves, following human preferences. They find pleasure in things they should be ashamed of because, you know, their glory is their shame. And their mind is unearthly things. They do not think about eternal perspective. They think about what they can get here and now right away. Like I said, Russia is reaping the fruit of what it did many, many years ago. And, and Russia is trying to find the way out of its desperate situation. It found itself in a desperate situation because after communism fell, Russians became, it's very interesting, they, uh, they lost their national identity. Because we were the USSR, and when the communist regime collapsed and the USSR was there no more. Ukrainians remained Ukrainians. Latvians remained Latvians. We Russians were the Soviet people. Uh, what is that? Tell me. Well, then Russians started to search to and fro. They really decided to figure out a way to find the new big idea, to find the reason to live. Well, actually, God gives you a reason to live. And not only that, but God gives you the answer to your questions. Like, what do you need to do in order to have your nation prosper, in order to have your nation really reach, you know, the, the blessing, achieve the blessing, receive the blessing? I'll read it to you. Second Chronicles 7, 7.14. And you Americans have to listen to that too because it's not only for the Russians. It was actually, 
you know, intended for the Jews, but it's intended for us. Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and I will hear, heal their land. Huh. Well, what we Russians decided to do, we found a new big idea. Religion. We're united under the banner of religion. And we decided that we did not want to humble ourselves. We decided to be prideful. We decided to show the world who is boss. And how, why do you think the Ukrainian conflict happened? We took the Crimea. Vladolf Putler did that. He took the Crimea. And, uh, and he said, you know what? And nobody can tell me what to do. And you know why he's got the support of all the people? Because of their pride. They were like, wow. We Russians took that big chunk of land, which used to belong to us sometime, but who cares, you know? We took it back, and, and the world is trying to press sanctions against us, and guess what? They're losing, and we're standing strong. We are a great nation. We are Russia. We are Russia. You would hear that there, and it reminds me much too well of Germany of the 30s today. It's pretty scary. And we began to wave our flag and just talk about the greatness of our nation. Well, proud? Have you ever heard that God gives grace to the humble, but resists the proud? Now, what are we sowing right now? Seeds of destruction. It might not happen tomorrow, but it will definitely happen. Being in Israel this past June, I could actually see why Ezekiel 38 and 39 is true and how Russia is going to be a part of those horrifying events in history. Oh, my goodness. It's just, it's as clear as day. But you know what is interesting? And I have to be very sensitive and very honest with you. I talk to a lot of American people, and American people are not happy with the things that are happen, happening in America today. We came here right before the 4th of July, and we talked about a lot of different things with a lot of different American people. You know what Americans are doing? They're saying things that are way too close to what we are doing in Russia. It is overwhelming. You know, people are waving American flags. And they're saying things like, you know what? We have been a great nation. We have always stood strong. Whenever troubles came, we Americans united. We overcame. And we'll do that again. And you, we'll show the world. Wow. Really? Now, I got to tell you, I really love American flag. Actually, the greatest thing for me is actually to come here before the 4th of July and go to $1 store and buy a lot of trinkets with American flags. And I actually mentioned that to somebody, and guess what I got as a gift today? I haven't even opened it yet, but, you know, it's very helpful to actually tell people what you like because that's what you get. You know, I got that. <laughs> <laughs> so these are very, very welcome. You know, I, I expect that from you, okay? <laughs> I have everything with American flag. I actually have t-shirts with American flag, a cap with American flag, a cup with American flag. I even have underwear with American flag. But you're not going to see it. My wife will, okay? <laughs> but think about it. We become more patriotic. And we think patriotism is the answer. But that's sowing in the flesh. You know why? Who are we first? Russians, Americans, or the citizens of heaven? Our citizenship is in heaven. That changes the perspective totally. When I think about choices I make in life, I understand that my citizenship is in heaven. That's my identity. And the choices I make are based on my relationship to Christ. That's why I am so in line and I'm so close 
to you guys because when I meet a brother in Christ, it's like, wow, I never met you before. It seems like we've known each other for years. And you know what? It doesn't really matter which country you're from. It doesn't matter what color of skin you are. It's just, I mean, all these things seem to be ridiculous to me when people talk about them. It's like we're all one in Christ. There's only one race, which is human race, and there is only one distinction that can be in this life, the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. That's it. You know something that really, the message I want to send to Americans, and I say, Americans, I love you very much. American, American Christians invested in my life so much, and there is no area in my life that I had not experienced a, a very generous investment of American Christians. So I'm really grateful. But think about it. People would say things like, you know, would see a poster that would say, I'm proud to be an American. Really? I don't like that poster. You know why? Proud? To be proud means to ascribe to yourself the merit of something that you didn't do. Now, uh, what did you do to become Americans, all of you sitting here? Did you do anything for that? No. Well, do you think your founding fathers were proud? I'll tell you one thing. There is one word that changes the entire perspective. One word that changes everything. I think what you should say is I'm thankful to be an American. Just think about it. One little word, one little attitude, great consequences, changes everything. When you say you're thankful, you're not sowing in the flesh. When you say you're thankful, next thing you ask yourself, thankful to whom? Well, to the Lord. He allowed me to be born in this country. He allowed me to have the blessings that this country gives me. He allowed me to be a part of this nation. He allowed me to have the privileges and freedoms. And because I'm thankful to him, I'm going to do something in return. I told you that a lot of Americans invested in my life. And I remember that. You know, I remember that I always thought, how can I ever repay them? Because there are people that did so much for me. And I thought, you know what? I can't ever repay them. They are wiser, they're smarter, they're taller. <laughs> they have more money than I do. But then I realized they never really expected me to repay them. You know what I could do out of gratefulness, out of gratitude to these people? I'll pass on the blessing because I'm thankful, because I'm so thankful. You know, I'm here in America. And uh, I didn't do anything for that. Actually, I was brought here by my friends, and my, my, my round-trip tickets were paid for by other people. And you know what I can say? If I said, I am proud to be in America, now what would that mean? I deserve the blessing. I don't. But I'm thankful to be in America and learn so many new things and be a part of what's happening here and be spiritually nourished. I'm so grateful. That changes everything. So my challenge to you would be, Think about it. Stop being proud. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And if we keep sowing in the flesh, being proud, guess what? We will reap 20 years from now. Be thankful. Die for yourself. Pick up your cross and follow Jesus. And stop doing things that you think is right. The Bible is there. The answers are there. Just follow these answers. And you know what? We don't necessarily, like I tell the Russians, we don't always have to scream, Russia is the best, because it's not. And you know what? Being a patriot doesn't mean to agree with everything your country is doing. Like a lot of times people tell me that I'm really terrible, that I'm a traitor of my motherland because I disagree with what it does. Well, guess what? Jeremiah disagreed with what Israel did too. And he was thrown into the dirty, ugly pit. 
Well, I think he loved his country more than anything. And you know what? The thing is, he loved the Lord, first of all. The thing is, we're actually called to care for our country. When the Lord moved the Jews from Israel to Babylon, he told them to care for that land because that they care for that land out of love for him, you know, they will have a better life. And if we love the Lord more than anything, our life, our country is prosper. One thing I, I can't miss, I have to tell you this, I looked around and I didn't see an American flag here. With all of my love for American flag, I was happy. You know why? Because I think flag should be put at the exit door. And you know why? Because when you come here to this church, this is the territory of heaven. This is not America. When I go to American consulate to get my visas, which I do every time they expire, I come to the American consulate in Russia. I step on the American territory. It's not Russia. It's in Russia, but it's America. And there's a flag, American flag that I like a lot. <laughs> you know that. But think about it. So when I'm leaving the American consulate, I'm stepping back on the Russian land. And it's amazing because being here, you are on the territory of heaven. And the flag needs to remind you that you have the privilege of serving people in America as you leave this place. That's why you're here, to be nourished and equipped to serve them better. Because you know the culture, you know the language, you know how they think. You are here not just to be nourished and fed and then spiritually burped when you leave the place. You're here to be nourished and fed so that you could go and exercise and not get spiritually fat. I'm thankful to be Russian. I'm thankful for the privilege to live in Russia. I know the culture, I know the language, which a lot of American missionaries don't, and they try to serve there, and a lot of times they fail, but I don't, because God equipped me and he placed me there. I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm doing what he told me to do. I'm sowing in the spirit. I stumble and fall. I get confronted by God through his word. I repent, shake off the dust, and keep walking. Keep walking, keep doing that. Well, anyway, lots of things to say, but I want to close by one more thing, one more thing, the fourth thing. You know, why do people live the way they do? Because the fourth thing, people are often discouraged by failure. Let us not become weary in doing good, for the proper time will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Think about it. You might be asking questions, not out loud, but you may say, well, it's easy for you to say, but I was trying to sow good things, and what am I reaping? You know, I was investing in the lives of my children. All of a sudden, I feel like my daughter turned away from Christ. I was doing all I could, and all of a sudden, my son came to me and said he was gay. Was it me? Did I do something wrong? No. That's what God says. Don't be discouraged. If you think that you do not get what you want, that you, you, I mean, you, you, you sowed one thing and you're reaping, you're reaping the other thing, think about it this way. We live in a fallen world, and the cornfield can be set on fire. But do you stop? Or do you say, you know what? I'm going to love my children. I'm going to invest in their lives. I'm going to show an example of Christ's love to them. I'm going to invest the good spiritual seeds in their lives. I'm going to be sowing what God wants me to be sowing and trust Him that eventually He will bring it to conclusion because the battle is not over. The war is not over. The battle could be lost, but the war is still on and we know who the victor is. And trust Him and the principle will work. Sow the good seed and you will reap a great harvest. Dear American family, keep doing that. I'm so thankful. I got to tell you this. In many ways, me and my family are the fruit of the harvest that was sown by many people from here by praying, by coming there and minister alongside us, by investing in our lives, by encouraging us. Guys, your church is praying for our church. You are sowing into something 
into the field that's actually far there. And thank you so much for this investment, prayerful, financial, any other letters. Just when somebody writes a little note and says, we're praying for you, you have no idea what it means to us there. So anyway, I would urge you not to get weary. I would urge you to die for yourselves. And you know, the seed before it produces fruit dies. So do that. Be thankful. Never forget about that. And may God bless you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity to be here this morning. This is so important for us to understand. There are life today is the harvest of what we planted before. And yes, today we're reaping what we sowed in the past, both good and bad. And when we decide to make changes in our lives, there is a period of time during the process that we still have to deal with. And a lot of times the junk from yesterday, it doesn't just magically go away, but let us not allow this entice 